Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. So I want you to turn to a couple passages of uh, scripture. The first one is 1 Peter chapter 1. And then we're also going to spend a lot of time in Isaiah chapter 40. So 1 Peter chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 40. This passage in Peter is, is going to be the main passage for this whole series. So we're starting a series today called Set Apart. And what does it mean to be set apart for the Lord? Well, to be set apart for the Lord means for us to be holy. And Peter reminds the people here, and he's reminding us that God has called us to not be just good, but to be holy. The enemy of holy is good. So many of us just want to be good. And I'm telling you, if you're in here today and you're a believer and all you want to be is good, you're missing the whole point. God did not call us to be good. He called us to be holy. And, and, and for us to view our lives as good or bad, it, we're missing the calling, the higher calling that God has called us to do. And so our prayer is that through this series, we step into the call that God has called his people to be, which is holy. Are you ready for this? It's going to be an awesome series. Are you ready for it? All right, ready or not? Here we go. We're going to read passage 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. We're going to read that up there. So prepare. You know what? Let's just go and stand for this. It's important. So, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into the old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. This is the word of the Lord. And everyone says, amen. Come have a seat. Now, as you read that, and I read that, and I'm like, oh, be holy just as the one who chose me is holy. So are you telling me, Lord, I have to be just as holy as you're holy? That seems like a tall order. It seems impossible. It seems like there's no way we can be holy like God is holy. And I want to tell you, if you're trying and ourselves, if I'm trying to attain that holiness from God by myself, it is impossible. The truth is, if you're a believer and you've given your life to Jesus, you are already holy. You are already set apart. And Peter is just asking, he's telling you, he's begging you, don't fall back into that old way. Don't go back to those things that held you captive. Walk in the holiness that God has called you to do. He has given you everything, Scripture says, for life and godliness. You're already equipped. You have all the things you need to live a holy life. And all you have to do is step into it and walk into it. And our prayer for you is that you walk into it. 
But it's impossible to be holy as God is holy if we don't even know what holiness is, if we don't know how God is. And so for the next two weeks, we're, we're going to break down God's holiness. And, and while I was preparing this message, I'm like, God, how do I explain your holiness in a message or two? You really can't. I mean, this whole thing here, this whole Bible is talking about God's holiness and how we are to be holy. And so, I mean, this series could go on for years, but it's not. But I want to I point out some things to you because we're going to talk about some hard things. We're going to talk about, we're going to pinpoint, we're going to do some heart searching to say, God, what in my life is not holy? What is not set apart? What in my life am I just allowing something else to influence, somebody else to influence, or my own knowledge and my own power to work in? And our prayer, and like I said, I can't say this enough. My prayer is that we all, I need it, we all live every part of our lives, every inch of our lives, every facet of our lives set apart for him. And so this series is called Set Apart. This series is about us being holy. And I want to talk about holiness for a minute. The word holy means set apart, like I said, but it also means a purity. And many of you, maybe you've grown up, some of you are older. Maybe you remember a time where church was a bunch of list of do nots, right? Do not do this. Do not go to movies. Do not see rated R movie. You have to dress this way. You have to act this way. Don't run in church. I hear that one a lot. You know, you can't, sm you can't do all this stuff. Can't smoke. Don't chew. Don't marry girls that do, right? All these things. <laughs> all the list of rules, right? And we, we, we accuse that with holiness. And, and, and to be honest, there's a little bit of that that, that is true. But unfortunately, we try to clean all this up, but inside... We are unholy inside where, as Jesus says, we're like whitewashed tombs. We're clean on the outside, but on the inside, we're dirty. On the inside, we're far away from God. We're trying to earn our holiness by what we do on the outside, by behavior modification. And I'm telling you, the Christian life is not about behavior modification. It's about life change. It's like truly wanting to do what he wants you to do. It's truly learning to obey him, as Peter said in this passage, to step into that calling of God. God is holy. There is no one like God. The Hebrew word for holy is kadosh. And that word actually just means separate. It's separate. It's, it's completely opposite. Like God is here, we are here. God is outside of his creation. He is separate. He is outside of his creation. He is outside of all of what he makes, but he's also utterly and completely uncorruptible and incorruptible. So he is holy in all his ways. He's separate from us, and he's totally and completely incorruptible. And like I said, for the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at these two aspects of God. The first one is that he is not like us. He is outside of us. And the second is that he is incorruptible and pure. I love Numbers chapter 23. It says, God is not a man. I didn't give you this passage up there. He does not lie. God is not a man. He does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Every promise in this word, God has seen it through, and he will see it through. Every promise, good, the bad, blessings, and cursings. He does not lie. He is not like man. He doesn't change his mind. Has he ever failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? 
I don't know about you, but I can look back in my life and see where God has been so faithful in my life when I was not faithful, <laughs> when I was far from him, when I, he was the last thing on my mind, he was still faithful to me. And I pray that you see his faithfulness, that he is not like a man. He's not going to leave you because you mess up. His promises are yes and amen. His promises stay forever. He is not like us at all. In fact, God has three aspects I want to focus on today. He is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and he is ever-present. There's big words for those. He's omnipresent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipotent, meaning he, all, he knows everything about everything. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's no power that he doesn't possess, and he is everywhere at all times. I heard one theologian say that God's eternal uh, nature is that he's in all places at all times. That blows my mind. Like he knows everything. He is outside of our realm. He is outside of our existence. He is outside of who we are, but yet he's also inside of it at the same time. To fathom who God is, would, your mind would go crazy. And yet so many people think they know who God is and what he's going to do and how he thinks and what's good and what's bad and what he accepts and what he doesn't accept. And I'm telling you, so many of us are off because our viewpoint and our standard is our own thinking. What caused man to fail? He ate from the, knowledge, the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. And many of us are still stuck eating that tree today. We're trying to figure out, is this good, God? Is this bad, God? Is this going against what you want? Is this going against what, I, what, what, what you want? Is this what you want? Is this what I want? What, what's going on here? And we're stuck at that tree. And the problem is we need to stop eating from that tree. We need to start eating from the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ. And when you start eating from that tree, you're not asking God, am I good anymore? Am I doing right, God? Am I evil? Am I good? Am I bad? The question then is, Lord, am I living up to the holiness that you put in my life? And so I pray that as we walk through this, that you know that today. And so I want to talk about God's holiness. Isaiah, the prophet, God speaks through Isaiah, and he's speaking to the people of Israel who are facing a hard time. They've ran away from God. They've followed idols. They've done all these things, and God told them ahead of time, if you chase idols and if you live like this, eventually I'm going to let you do your own thing, and I'm going to walk away from you and let you, have what you, what, let you reap what you've sown. And the time has come. But yet Isaiah, even when they are so far away from God, God calls Isaiah to speak to the people to remind them that he has a purpose he has a plan. No matter how bad they are, no matter how bad they screw up, he still has a purpose and he still has a plan and it will still happen. And so if your Bible's turned to Isaiah 40, we're just going to walk through this passage together this morning and we're going to let the word of God speak. Is that all right with you? Yeah. All right. So Isaiah chapter 40, we want to pick it up in verse 12. <laughs> Feel Isaiah's emotion as he speaks these words that God gives to him. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? Isaiah is reminding the people, 
You want God to answer what you want God to answer. You want God to do what you want God to do. You want God to be how you want God to be. But who is God? He has no equal. Can you advise him? Can you tell him what's good and what's right? Can you tell him this is fair and unfair? Do you doubt his justice? I'm telling you, there's people in here today, and there's people, I don't know, maybe not any, but maybe not you, you're all good. But probably for the most part, you've been angry at God a time or two. You've been disappointed at God a time or two. The question is, why God? Why did this happen to me? Why is this going on? Why can't you do something about this? And we get disappointed with God. We get angry at God. We shake the fist at God because God's not living up to our standard. And Isaiah is telling the people, God doesn't meet your standard. God is the standard. Does he need your advice? Does he need you to tell him what's good and what's right for your life? He created, I love it, he goes, he created the oceans. He measured off the heavens with his fingers. As much technology as we have, we still can't get to the end of the universe. He's like, there it is. Who is our God? There's no one like him. And it's, I want to focus on this for a minute because this is where I really felt like God was wanting to speak to somebody. God knows everything. God understands everything. God knows what you're going through. God has an understanding that we don't understand. There was a young man that I was speaking to. Well, we're both young at that time. Now we're both older.
goodness. And who am I to doubt his justice? Some of you today, you may be angry at God because there's an injustice in your life and he hasn't dealt with it. And you've been trying to deal with it. You've been trying to force it. You've been trying to uh, make it happen. But I want to read a passage to you. Can you throw that one up? It's not the next slide, but it's... In Romans 12, Paul reminds the people to let God be God and to get out of the way. He says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Never seek justice in a certain... What? Never, never get back? You know what these people did to me? What do you mean just sit there and do something different? Do something the opposite. But leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And you know something about this passage? The Lord repays a whole lot different than we do. You ever notice that? And I'm glad that God's justice is not our justice. Would you think about what if the very first church, when Paul was going and killing other Christians and throwing them in jail, what if they did not follow this and they took it in their own hands and they went and murdered Paul? What would our world look like? God had a different justice in mind, didn't he? He took that man that was hostile toward Christianity and he made him one of the main mouthpieces of that time for him. God's justice is not like our justice. What if God's justice is that person that hurt you? I don't care how bad it was, and I'm not saying it was okay. What if his justice is that they come to know him and their life has changed forever and they get to go to heaven? In my mind, I don't want them to go to heaven because when I get there, I don't want to see them. God, you smite them, almighty smiter. Bruce Almighty, yeah? God, you take them out. You throw them in hell. You do it. That's my way. That's not God's way. God's justice is not like our justice. That's why the rest of that passage says, instead of doing that, do this. He says, do good to those who do evil to you. Serve them, love them, pray for them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. If they need clothes, clothe them. And this is what's going to happen. He says, you will pour heaps of coals on their head. What does that mean? It means... Because you're being so kind to them, it's going to bring some kind of shame to them. I mean, I can't believe I did this to this person. Scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's not his wrath. It's not his anger. It's not all these things. It's the kindness of God that in my sin and in my waywardness and even in my anger towards him, he still was kind to me. He still met me. He still called me. He still died for me. And because of that, I can come to him freely and say, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want, God. Thank you for saving me. My life has changed forever. So his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And Isaiah continues. So we know that he knows all things. No one could advise him. He's not like us in the way he thinks. But also, he is eternal and he's also all present. He knows all things. He's eternal and he's all present. So verse 15, he says, No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. 
They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. Like, how are you going? He's saying, how are you going to impress God? This is what Isaiah is saying. How are you going to impress him? Kill every animal on the planet for him? That's not going to impress him. How are you going to impress God? He, he rules the world. You can't impress him. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. His eye, in his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that doesn't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. What is Isaiah telling us? And what, what can I read when I read this? I read and say, God, I can't impress you with anything that I do in my life. God, my life is nothing. I exist because you demand it to, be, to exist. I breathe because you say it's okay for me to breathe. God, you are nothing like me. Nothing I do, I can, if I like start a business and I'm the richest man on the planet, he's like, whatever, I don't care, not a big deal. You can't impress God, so stop trying to impress him. Just be who he's called you to be. And then he talks about making an idol to him. And I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk to you about how you often and we often, and I'm, I'm guilty too because I did the same thing. I make God in my image. What does scripture say? It says, God looked down on the earth after creation. He took the dirt from the ground. He made this form. He breathed the breath of life into it. But before he said that, before he did that, he said, let's make man in our image. And the problem since the fall is we tried to create God in our image. You can't contain God. When people would make idols, they thought that God would live, those gods would live in those idols, like part of the God would live in that idol. When Solomon built the temple and, and, and David wanted to build this temple for, for God, David looked at the blueprints of the temple and said, God, what can contain your glory? Where can you really, can you really fit in this temple? And yet so many of us, we believe that God is stuck inside a church building. Like God, don't, don't, don't cuss in church, right? Don't do this stuff. You're in church. You should act nice right? Be good. But the reality is, is God's everywhere. He sees you in your car, right? He sees you at rush hour. He sees you at home. He sees everything you do. He's present everywhere. He's omnipresent. And, and, the, and just the fact of that alone, that he knows everything I've ever done, and he's been there every moment of my life, the thought that he still wants me in his presence is mind-blowing. Everything I've ever done, good, bad, and different, and yet he still wants me to know him. How great is the love of God? It's not like ours. If somebody messes up, we're done with them. God's not like that. 
And then Isaiah continues to dig and he hits home. He's saying, you understand God knows everything. He knows all things. You can't place him in a box. You can't put him out. He is all present. He is all powerful. He knows. And he goes on to talk about his power. He says, haven't you heard? Don't you understand in verse 21? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began. Are you so ignorant? Nice words. God sits above the circle of the earth. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain. The people below him seem like grasshoppers. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain. He makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. Think about the history of the earth. All these great kingdoms that came before, they rise and they fall. And God, in his sovereignty and in his infinite wisdom, allows them to rise and he lets them fall. Everything in the earth serves his purposes. He goes, <laughs> he judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root. When the wind blows on them and they wither, the wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Are you going to live longer than I live? Are you going to be eternal like I'm eternal? This is what he's saying. Like, you're around because I will it. You have breath in your lungs because I say so. He goes, look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each one by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. He created the stars in his infinite wisdom. He is powerful enough to create the universe with a voice. Scripture says he spoke everything into existence. Except man. He formed man and he breathed into man. Everything else was spoken. That's how important we are to him. And you think about the world, you think about the universe, you think about all the planets and the solar systems and all the things out there. Why on earth would God care about us specs? Blows my mind. That's how much he cares for you. So he's always there. He's ever present. He knows all things. He is all powerful. And because he's all powerful, I can worship him. I know that no matter what I go through, no matter what I'm facing, that God is strong enough to bring me through it. And this is what Isaiah is getting to. So he's like getting onto these people. Look, God, you're, you're facing a challenge right now and you brought it on yourself, but God's got a plan. And he gets to this part, and this is the part that's on so many people's T-shirts. Maybe you got it at home at the very end of this passage. You're going to get read this, and you go, oh, I have that at my house. But now you have the whole context. Like, oh, okay, I see that a little different now. And he gets to the point here, and he's talking to the people, because the people are probably at this time, armies invading their land, their kids are being carried off, their wives are being taken away. Their, their crops are being burned. Their livelihoods are being destroyed. And now they're complaining to God saying, God, why are you letting this happen? You don't love me. You don't see me. You don't know what I'm going through. And then he says this in 27. I want you to get this today. And as we read this, after I say, oh, Jacob, and after I say, oh, Israel, put your name in there. 
And this is what Isaiah tells the people that God is saying to them. Oh, Jacob. O'Neill, how can you say the Lord doesn't know your troubles? He knows everything. O'Neill, how can you say God ignores your rights? Like he doesn't care. He doesn't mind you. How can you say that? Think of the magnitude of God. How can you say that about him? And he says, have you never heard Have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of heaven and earth? He never grows weak. He never grows weary. What he's saying there, he never gets tired of you. He doesn't get weak because you're constantly messing up. He doesn't get weary because you're constantly running away from him. He doesn't give up. His love is unfailing. No one can measure the depths of his understanding He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those, we all love this passage, who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. I get you to come up, Christian. I get the altar team to come up as well. There was a time when I was far away from God. I knew God because I grew up in church. I said the prayer, and I had some kind of relationship with Jesus, and I prayed to him when I needed things. But I didn't know that deep down I was so angry, so disillusioned, so disappointed with God because the things in my life that happened, even though I made a lot of the choices, I blamed him for. I blamed him for my childhood. I couldn't control that. I blamed him for the situation I was in with my marriage. I couldn't blame him for that either. And I was so angry at God. And I didn't know I was so angry and disappointed. But it was a movie. A movie that's not even a Christian movie. That wrecked my heart. That softened the hard places. It was a movie called Bruce Almighty. I know. I go there expecting to laugh. I leave the theater bawling, crying, repenting, telling God, I'm so sorry. God, I've wanted you to do what I wanted you to do in my life. God, I've asked you to to make my life good and not understanding that you're working things out that I couldn't even see. Because at the end of that movie, Bruce shows up and he has this conversation with God. And he tells God, I'm just giving these people what they want. And Morgan Freeman, who was God in that movie, said, Bruce, since when do people know what they want? And then in some after clips, I don't think it's in the movie, but in the after clips, he he has some like deleted scenes. And I stayed for those. And this is what really hit me. He says, you gave these people this. You answered their prayer, but I was doing something behind the scenes that they didn't know. There was this woman, you answered her prayer, you gave her what she needed financially, but I was planning to let that circumstance draw her to her, back to her sibling, to mend that relationship. Bruce, you answered this prayer, but I was using that situation to do this. We don't see what God's weaving. We don't see what God's doing. 
All we see is what's in front of us. And I left that theater crying in my car, saying, God, I'm so sorry. God, I didn't know. God, forgive me for trying to make you the way I want you to be. I want you to be who you are, God. I want to serve you for who you are, not for who I want. And, and, and since that day, I was able to receive from God because I wasn't holding anything back. The good, the bad, the indifferent, doesn't matter, whatever comes my way, I trust God because I know God is all powerful. I know God is all present. And I know that God is all knowing. His wisdom and his knowledge, I'll never understand. His power is big enough to pick me up when I'm weak. His power is big enough to deal with anything I'm dealing with. And no matter how bad life seems, no matter how many difficulties I go through, I know that he was right there with me. And that nothing goes unnoticed. And so I don't know where you're at today, but I pray that you understand who God is just a little better. And so I have a prayer that we're going to pray together. Um, this prayer I wrote a couple years ago in a different message but it's a good one. And so it's a prayer for us to realize who God is. And so let's read this together as best we can. Lord, who is like you? Who alone hold the universe in your hand? You created the heavens and earth with just a word. What can stand against you? Who can understand you fully? You never grow tired and weary. When I fail, Lord, you prevail. When I'm weak, you are mighty. When my strength is gone, you are still powerful. When I lay my head at night, you are still working, fully awake to my reality. Now, Lord, I pray that you would give me a fresh vision of who you are. Show me today where I have a poor view of you. Reveal to me your power and might and set my soul on fire for you. Set me apart for you, Lord, as you are set apart. And let me rise on the currents of your grace and find strength. Amen. We'll put that up so you can take a picture of it in two parts, if you can do that. And we'll put it on Facebook for you, if you, on our Facebook page. I don't know what you needed today, but I know I needed this today. Because I tend to get a little, I question God sometimes. But he has a plan, he has a purpose, and he knows. So I don't know what you need from God, but I'm going to challenge you. If you need prayer for anything, come pray with one of these people. They want to help you. They want to pray with you. Scripture says where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. There's power in prayer. And so don't let anything stop you from walking up in faith and getting prayer this morning. Maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus and because you've been angry, because you've been disillusioned, and this message was for you. I want you to come up, have the faith to get up and to put your faith in action. And I guarantee you, God's going to meet you before you get up there. So would you stand with me while I pray? Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this message. God, I thank you that there is none like you, that you are above all things, that you are not like us. And because you're not like us, I can worship you. I can serve you and I can obey you because your plans are good. Your ways are right. And Lord, thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for giving me life. And now, Lord, I pray that whoever needs prayer, they come up and get prayer. Through the mighty name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.